Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who will have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Hand washing is one of the simplest and most effective ways to reduce infections in hospitals. Even though soaps and disinfectants are more available than ever, and despite campaigns to promote hand hygiene, rates still fall well short of compliance levels. So why don't doctors and other healthcare workers wash their hands more often? And what can we do about it? Behavioral economist Dan Ariely talks with David Hoffman, professor of organizational behavior at the University of North Carolina, about how to improve hand hygiene in hospitals. You've done some uh, really kind of extraordinary scope of, of research on hand washing. So, first of all, what's the problem with hand washing? Hand hygiene in healthcare has been a bit of a perplexing problem for over 100 years. Um, so, literally 100 years ago plus. Um, they realized that hand hygiene is a big Good predictor of, of diseases transferring from patients to doctors and doctors to other patients. Uh, but even today, after 100 years, uh, many national statistics say that healthcare professionals uh, wash their hands probably less, a little less than 50% of when they should. So the good news is we've gone f- up a lot, but there's yes. still a lot, a lot to do. And, and it's not as if doctors say, you know, I wash hands just the right amount of time. Everybody recognizes there's a, there's a gap between what people intention and what people actually do. Correct. And I think this is, um, gets really into our paper because there's... And, and by the way, technology has improved a lot, right? So we have these Purell things and they're next to the patient's beds and we kind of made it really easy. It's hard to imagine being easier unless we covered the patient's bodies with <laughs> Purell. We could do that. We also probably need to co- cover the healthcare workers' bodies as well that's right. because that's the real problem. So maybe, maybe what we need is like pens or something like the whole the clothes would be disinfectant. So the moment you do just touch yourself, you would... I, I think, or, or maybe just, a, you know, one of those uh, airport security bubbles where you just Every walk time. through and it just doubt, puts you in a shower. Okay, so so short of that, uh, people have easy access, incredibly easy access, but they mm-hmm. don't do it enough. So right. what what did you try to do? So in, in this one project that we've worked on, this is one of several. Um, I'll mention my co-authors as well. Um, Hinchin Dai and Catherine Melkman from the University of Pennsylvania, and then a colleague of mine at UNC, um, Brad Stotts. And so we um, hooked up with this company um, called Preventex in Birmingham, Alabama, that makes RFID-tagged hand hygiene equipment. And so they put an RFID tag in the equipment and then in the person's ID tag, and every time they walk by, they can read whether or not the person is engaging in hand hygiene or not. Okay, so every time somebody walks by a machine, you know that they walked by the machine, and then the question is, did they also wash their hands? Correct. Okay. And, and standards of compliance would suggest that when you, uh, on room entry and exit, you should engage in hand hygiene. So both, we, both ways? Yes. And so okay. we created, and Preventix actually creates a window that anytime you, if you do hand hygiene 30 seconds before or 60 seconds after entering a room, any machine, it counts as a comply. If I see. you don't, so if I go, if I go from one room to another and it's 60 seconds and I didn't wash it when I left one room but washed it when I entered another room, that's still okay. That would be okay. That sounds very reasonable to that's me. Okay, and then. So our interest was there has been a lot of research on um, long-term exposure to work demands in terms of burnout and job dissatisfaction, engagement, and those sort and stress. 
And we were interested in what happens over the course of a day. I see. 12-hour okay. shift. So somebody comes in, they're fresh, they are yep. uh, feeling, good. feeling good, and then the day goes up and you have paperwork and things uh, annoying you and so on, and compliance reduces or increases or stay the same during the day. We should know that this constant shifting of gears between patient care, hand hygiene, entering things in the chart, back and forth, this takes a lot of self-regulation to constantly shift these gears, and yeah. our self-regulatory muscle, like any other muscle, gets fatigued over time. Yeah. And as our self-regulatory muscle gets fatigued, we get focused on primary, not secondary tasks. So I get I focused see. on the patient, and I might forget about hand hygiene. So, so first of all, is there evidence talking. that people focus more on the patients? Do patients get better care over the day? Uh, I don't know if they get better care, but I think maybe they get more consistent care, and hand hygiene goes by the wayside, and that's what we find. Okay, and that's what you find. Yeah. Uh, how, how bad is it? How, how much does it go down? Uh, we get about a, about 8 to 9% reduction in hand hygiene over the So it's something day. like 55% mm-hmm. first thing in the morning and 45% toward the end of the day? Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's a big deal. How many people die a year from lack of hand hygiene? What would you estimate? Well, the Institute of Medicine um, in 1998 talked about more people die in healthcare, hospital-acquired infections, than car accidents. So it's a pretty significant... It's a big thing. And, and big all number. of a sudden, this is basically increased this by about 10%. Yeah. Not, not good. So what, what do we do about this? Do we, well, do we basically give doctors a short shifts? Well, so we did actually say, think about in our paper, like if this fatigue mechanism is at play, we got to see a number of things happen. So first, we should see an overall decline. Second, we should which you see, see which we'd see. Second, we should see if, if you have a higher work demands on a particular day, you should see a faster decline, which we see. Oh wow! So how do you measure um, number of patient interactions? So I see. More so patient interactions means increased work demands, and that exasperates goes, the wow. decline. And does the decline start faster, or just uh, is the steeper slope? It's a steeper slope. Okay. Uh, and then, if fatigue is also the mechanism, we would expect hours off work to rejuvenate. So more hours off work, higher resumptive compliance the next day. Uh, we also um, would expect that the more fatigued you are, sort of the lower compliance on a given shift, the more you'd benefit from time off work. We find support for that. Uh, and we also- So it seems like you're working for the American Medical Association to basically get physicians more time off. It does seem that way. And, wait, wait, well, was your research funded by them? That's what I want to no, know. No, okay. it was not. It was not funded by, uh, by them, nor was it funded by the company that does the- uh, the, the, uh, the sanitation. Uh, and the final thing we, we found was that if you look at the number of hours they'd worked in the week before that shift, uh, that also exasperates the decline and increases the recovery for hours off work. So, so, so basically, a I mean, consistent story with respect to fatigue. I thought that much of the work on depletion suggested that a good night's sleep kind of erases things, but you're saying that a, a week previous week still matters, or yes. maybe it's because they don't sleep much. Correct. In general. You do have these accumulated effects. It seems. Now, now, of course, the, the implications for, for hand hygiene are, are very powerful. Oh, by the way, um, how many people did you have in the sample? Uh, in this case, we had um, 31 point, uh, we had 13.7 million hand hygiene observations. Yes. Uh, and that's f- a little over 4,000 caregivers. Okay. And any, anybody there had perfect compliance? don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's kind of the range of uh, lack of compliance? Um, I think I'm not, I would have to check the data to get the top end of mm-hmm. that range. Um, but there, let's just say I think there was room for improvement for virtually for, for everyone. everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's, of course, the direct implications for hand washing. But what does it tell you more generally about healthcare? I mean, are you worried about mistakes, uh, 
prescriptions, uh, ordering tests, uh, medical errors in general? I mean, the operating room with general personal care. Are you are you worried that this shift of attention is is getting people to make lots of more mistakes in all kinds of other ways? Yeah, I think I think the thing that we come away with this study looking at is this notion of primary versus secondary task, and how do you keep people focused on um, what, it, what are perceived to be secondary tasks, but are still very, very important tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with hand hygiene is you do it so many times during the day that it's really hard to causally connect you know, the missing of one hand hygiene was something bad happening. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, it's a, a delay stochastic uh, process, right? It will happen at some point to somebody, but... But it's hard to say this is what caused it. So you're not as worried about other things. Like you don't think that toward the end of the day, physicians are likely to make more other types of mistakes. For example, ordering the wrong test or not entering things correctly in the chart or confusing patients or well, cutting off the wrong leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say I'm not worried about that because I think fatigue generally does um, decline our abilities, our cognitive abilities. But I think we're most concerned about how do you keep compliance to these professional practice and standards that we know work and are beneficial um, when people are tired and they're focused on, you know what, I have this patient here. I really just want to focus on yeah. that and not do these other things. Now, was this a UNC hospital? Uh, no, this was hospitals all over that well, used this particular technology. So on Tuesday, I'm going for surgery. Any advice? My advice would be a couple of things. First, um, pay attention to your physicians and your healthcare workers. Uh, make try, sure try and motivate them. Try yeah, to yeah. make sure that they pay attention. Yep. Okay. Uh, try to have your surgery early in the day. Early in the day. Ma- okay. Maybe uh, make sure they have a couple of days off beforehand. Okay, that's, that's a little tough. It's Tuesday. <laughs> that, that, I, I oh, little... yeah, that's going to be hard. Uh, but I would also really be cognizant of how well they, how often and frequently they wash their hands when they come in and take care of you, because that's okay. an important um, issue and something that healthcare seemingly had a trouble, trouble solving. You know, I, I had the blood test not too long ago, and the woman who was taking my blood did not wear gloves. And I said, "Hey, excuse me, would you mind uh, wearing gloves?" And she said, "I'm not worried." And I, I asked, "I'm not worried about you. I'm not worried about me. You had like 50 patients today already. You know, that's exactly." And that's actually that's actually the the issue is that um, the healthcare workers are not necessarily worried about themselves because they do this all the time, but they should be worried about the patients. And um, Adam Grant and I actually did an, another study a few years ago where we actually. Um, tapped into that exact motivation, and yeah. so that does matter. So um, usually I would say thank you at this point, but I have to say you you just got me more worried, so I'm not sure <laughs> I, uh, thank you is in order, but I do appreciate your time, and this is really important work, so well, thanks a lot. thank you, and I hope that this will lead to different types of work design and schedules that, that will help eliminate this uh, this problem. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely of Duke University. To further expand your understanding of dishonesty, irrationality, and other human quirks, go to danarielli.com.